Hello and welcome to our second ever podcast of Act Right. This is Craig Gehring, founder of Mastery Prep with Oliver Pope and Lisa Redmond here to talk to you about how to improve your ACT scores. And today we have a very interesting topic. I think so anyway. It's on the subject of anxiety. I think anxiety is tied into the concept of a good or bad test taker. Good test takers are kind of cool under pressure. They don't have a lot of anxiety. And when we think about the bad test taker, we think about someone who's biting their nails off and they feel like they're uh, they're doing a podcast or something like that. They just feel... Um, miserable and, and nervous and, and things like that. So who, who would be nervous to do a podcast ever? Okay, that's a good point, Lisa. No one would ever be nervous to do a podcast, Never. right? That's exactly right. So um, anyway, I'm going to go hide under the table now and eat my fingernails off while um, one of you uh, talk about anxiety. No, um, so basically, you know, I think the first thing that we need to look at, because a lot of students want to get the better of anxiety, and I think it's important to look at what causes anxiety or what what is it that can be triggered. So in your opinion, what are what are some of the triggers that cause students to get anxious about the ACT? So I think there's a, I think there are quite a few. Um, the one that I talk about a lot is the fight or flight reaction. So I make this analogy that I think that taking a test is like being attacked by a wild animal. You're sitting in front of the test, and if you were attacked by – let's say you open the door to your house – and a lion just walked in, just a big old full-blown male lion, ready to go. What kind of animal is the ACT? Uh, I always think tiger. tiger. I don't know. This seems a little bit, little bit sneakier. So a tiger walks into your house. Tiger walks into your house, okay. right? Okay. I'll adjust my analogy. A bear's the SAT. Uh, bear's the SAT, yeah. Okay. There you go. And the general reaction that you would have is most people would, you know, scream, run away, try to escape, right? Maybe the odd person grabs a chair and just goes psycho on the tiger and that tries would be to an, save. That would be an odd person. Yeah, save, save the family. You know, you never know. You have kids or whatever. Um, <laughs> so regardless, what's happening is one of two things. You're either running, right? You have this intense desire to escape or you have this intense desire to, like, get aggressive. And I think that you see both of those sides in a test. You take a test, and most people's reaction is they want to get away. They just feel like the test is in front of them. That's way far away from them. It's just like this out-of-body experience, and they feel a little terrified. Whereas, you know, the opposite student, which is, I think, just as bad, gets hyper-aggressive and just starts picking answers off the top of their head. You know, they're the kid that finished the test and have, like, 15 minutes left over. Uh, And they're both bad reactions. So I always talk to students, like, look, you need to be sort of zen, like in the middle, you don't want to get amped. You don't want to get, like, freaked out um, and, like, pumped up and, like, destroy the test. But at the same time, you don't want to uh, get terrified and run away and escape. It's a good point. You know, one thing I observe is sometimes, you know, when you're tutoring a student, sometimes you don't know whether or not they have anxiety problems with a test. Like, this person might be totally zen, right? totally cool in every single tutoring session, and then they go and bomb the ACT, and they say afterwards, I got really anxious, and it, and it just comes as a complete surprise. Why, why do you think that is, that that, that, um, that can be uh, sitting there underneath the surface? I think that um, a lot of it has to do with familiarity of the test. And if you want to achieve that zen that Oliver's talking about, a lot of that has to do with being really comfortable with your environment. So we always encourage students to practice as if they're taking the real test. So be somewhere without distractions. Be somewhere without your phone. Time the test. Be very familiar with the format of the test. Take a practice test that even has the font and layout of a real test. Because the more that we can get students comfortable with the actual test itself, the less anxiety they're going to have because they're really going to be familiar with it. It's, it's going to be less of a 
unexpected tiger at the door. At least they'll be prepared <laughs> and they'll be expecting it there when they open the door. That's a great, great, great point. There's a, um, it just reminds me, I was talking to this one teacher, little tiny things can throw students off. I, um, I talked to one teacher and she had a student who forgot his chewing gum going into the ACT and he was freaked out. He always took tests chewing gum and because he didn't have chewing gum, then he just completely freaked out and had anxiety and his score bombed. And the fix was just to make sure he brought chewing gum. Right. You know, it's I, it's to take the test in the exact same way you've practiced taking it. Right. And that's actually a really good point because one of the things Lisa talked about is like make sure the test you know, looks like the test, etc. But taking the test like you take the test could be little things like don't have a glass of water with you. A lot of students use bottle water, bo- uh, water bottles, if I can say it right, um, as a called. yeah, I think that's what they're called. They're bottles um, of water. Bottles of water. They use water bottles as a almost a security blanket. Like sip a little in the water. I mean, we've all been at a party where you just you know don't want to be there and you're sipping on the water, hoping that one talks to you. It's kind of the same thing. It's like a security blanket on the on the test, and you can't have. A, a water bottle out when you're taking the test and if they're only drink to, bottles at water bottles at parties kids only drink only water bottles at parties all you drink <laughs> is bottles of so, water so you know so practice that way don't have a snack you know don't sit there and chew on you know a little snacky thing unless it's something like gum that you can have in the test that's a really good point you know um, on the other side in terms of learning retention uh, there's been studies that show that if you match if you have an environment match, you retain more and your brain can can remember more information. Like they did these studies where they would have students study with classical music playing and then they would test the students in the same room with classical music playing and they would do better than if they played nothing or rock music or something like that. So uh, even little nuances like, you know, if you're studying for the ACT and working on a book and you're doing a practice, you can't have your headphones on uh, jamming out to music because that's going to be calming to you or create an environment that's different than what the actual ACT is going to throw at you. The um, also reminds me of if, if one of you speak want to speak to briefly. I know some teachers and students might be tuning in who aren't really familiar with the mastery prep process. Um, it's part of why mini tests are so important, right, in helping with anxiety. Right. So mini tests are just little snippets of the actual test, and they're so useful because they help students practice pacing, um, keeping the right time per question as they would on the real test. And they also are laid out to be exactly like a real test looks like, down to the font, down to the letters, down to the order of the answer options. Everything about the mini test is made to look exactly like a real ACT test. And so they help generate that environment of familiarity for students so that when they go in on test day, they're facing something that they've done million times before great now I think maybe some students might be asking themselves right now it's like okay this is great this is what causes anxiety is there anything I can do um, anything else I can do to kind of stay off anxiety or if I'm feeling this anxiety is there anything that I can do to, to, to sort of overcome it You know, I always tell students that their attitude makes a huge difference. Um, If you go into the test thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible, this is going to be miserable, that really does have an effect on their performance. And I like to give them this analogy of sports. We think about football, and we have a culture that gets really, 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 really excited and happy and pumped up about football. And you think about it, innately there's nothing really inherently exciting about some people running around, pushing each other down, throwing a piece of leather. Now, some people may argue with me about that. But say, it's, called, careful. <laughs> it's called the Super Bowl, not the not-so-Super Bowl. Exactly. So we have a culture that we've developed this um, – 
you know, this excitement over this sport. And so I tell students to develop an excitement about the ACT. You don't, you don't see these teams in the locker room before the game moping around saying, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. I'm going to get tired because I'm running around so much. So Some teams maybe. In the same way, when you're getting the ready. The ER teams. The right. teams I was on when I was a kid. <laughs> In the same way, when you're getting ready for the ACT, you, you, even if you have to fake it till you make it, just pre- even pretending to be excited, getting amped up, getting pumped up, um, and even just fake some excitement going into this test to encourage yourself and get your brain in the right place before you get started. Absolutely. You know, I, um, you know studies show that if you know, your facial expressions are you know, cannot really be separated from your brain right. process, right? So it, when you say fake it till you make it, it's actually the case that if you go in and you just make yourself smile, pretty soon you find a reason to be smiling. And right. if, you, um, if you've ever done the exercise where you get a whole group, group of people and you tell them all to laugh, just like right, fake, fake laugh, laugh. Like pretty soon, everyone is laughing. As a matter of fact, any teachers tuning in, you might actually want to use that as a demonstration. Get your class of students and say, you're in control of your emotions. And they say, no, I'm a teenager. That's impossible. And you say, no, seriously, start laughing. And pretty soon, everyone is hysterically laughing just because that's just, that's just the way we work. That fake it till you make it is, is actually quite powerful. Right. And I was going to jump in. I said that uh, there's a lot of physical things you can do when you take a test to help anxiety. Just posture sitting up properly. Uh, one thing that I do when I take a test and I get a little nervous is I will tap my fingers against each other. It's quiet. It doesn't make any noise, but it lets me kind of fixate on something a bit. And I find that that's kind of like the kid chewing the gum. It, it's something that just distracts your brain a little bit, which can help with anxiety. Takes the edge off. I know some students who dig their fingernails into their, into their fingers or into their palms to try to like keep going. Or um, I know there's actually a coping mechanism where you have a rubber band I don't know if you're if you're legit allowed. They won't stop hmm. you from having a rubber band in the test, but if you make noises with it, I think they'll yeah. they'll stop you. But um, some students have a rubber band that copes. If you do use a rubber band to cope, keep in mind it might freak you out if you go into the ACT without That's that rubber point. band there to pop pop your wrist. So um, anyway, um, okay, that was great. That's some great tips. I um, I was reading something fascinating that kind of ties into this about the difference between choking and panicking. And this was an article uh, that uh, Malcolm Gladwell did for the New Yorker. And uh, Lisa's rolling her eyes because I, I just finished all, reading. All he ever talks about. I just I just I went on a Malcolm Gladwell binge. I just read his. Ent- I, I don't even think there's anything left. I need to write him a letter that just says Malcolm Gladwell. Can you please just write an email to me where I can read an additional word right. that you have written? <laughs> and he'll be like, Yeah, sure. And like I'll be like, Yes, that's great. I need to like subscribe to his Twittering or whatever so I get more Malcolm Gladwell. Anyway, uh, I'm not obsessed. The thing is, is that um, there's a big difference between choking and panicking. Choking uh, is where an athlete or someone who needs to perform sort of starts to overthink things. And they go from their muscle memory and their intuitive sense into this very slow analytical process. And uh, they, they tend to overthink, right? So I think some students tend to choke, right? They've got, they know everything, they've got it down, and they tend to really second guess themselves. Whereas there are some students, and you, you need to be intuitive some on the ACT. Like on the reading and science test, you don't have the time to analyze every choice. You've got to go on your gut on one or two choices and eliminate those. And then you can spend some time analyzing one or two choices. Um, and so students who choke, they, they really, they're thinking too much, and they think that um, the solution is to get more and more careful and to doubt themselves more and more, when really the way out of choking is the opposite, is you've got you've to trust yourself. Whereas panicking, 
panicking is this kind of flight mechanism where it's like, oh my gosh, your mind's racing. It's when you look at the math problem, there are a hundred different ways to go at it and your mind is just completely blank or thinking of everything all at the same time. And the key to panicking is calming down, going slower. You know, I think that you know, on the math test, for example, it's if you had to choose between being too analytical or being too intuitive, like I would go more analytical. I would tend to like you. I think you should try to try to slow down and, and right, try to definitely. avoid common errors. Whereas with reading and science, you know, really doubting yourself can really, really hurt you on the test. So anyway, a little interesting random point. Um on choking and panicking. But I think that most students think about them both the same way when they're really two completely different problems that are about like the opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. It, on the it's test. probably important to identify which one of those you're experiencing as a student, right? And that, that can help you figure out specifically what kind of mechanisms I need to use to cope when I start to feel that. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of students who are those high performers who test poorly, I think they're probably experiencing that choking phenomenon some where they're um, really they've got what it takes. You know, I, I just remember there are some students where I just had to spend some time in tutoring them, just telling them, you've got this. You can do this. Just calm down. You know, it's like, you know, you've got to almost assure the student that, hey, you don't even really need to be doing this tutoring. You just need to, like calm down and, and, and right. do your thing. If you, if you walk into the test thinking about the 50 things that you need to remember um, to be able to do well in this test, then you are completely opening yourself up to choking. You've really got to practice until it's second nature and you're not having to, to think about it. So um, anyway, there you go. I, um, I think that was a pretty cool discussion. Any, anything, uh, does anybody have any really strange coping mechanism or really uh, interesting anxiety phenomena that, that you've had to deal with in your, in your tutoring days or anything so, like that? So one thing that I use as a coping mechanism, and I'm not, this is completely 100% honest. I, I use it when I take the LSAT because it's a little bit more challenging of a test. But I have what I call the happy place. And the happy place is my five-second escape if I find myself getting that you know, that tunnel vision feeling, that out-of-body experience. So what I do from a happy place uh, is I picture Care Bears holding hands and running down a green hill with a rainbow waterfall in the background. That's about how far my image goes. And if I think about that, no matter what is happening to me, I can't, I have to smile. And it's just, awesome. this is great. It just, it just cools me off. And if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm worried, I just close my eyes, think about the Care Bears, three, four seconds, boom, ready to go. And my brain is just reset. <laughs> By whatever, the way, uh, story. By the way our podcast, our first sponsor um, is Care Bears. So, <laughs> I didn't not even, a coincidence. I didn't even watch Care Bears as a kid. I don't even really know what happens in I Care wasn't Bears. even allowed to watch Care Bears as a kid. It was witchcraft. <laughs> it does seem like witchcraft. <laughs> it, it really is. These like creepy witch bears. Anyway, thank you, sponsors, They're Care Bears. They're sweet, happy bears that help Oliver get through his testing. I do. That's right. So, so find a happy place with or without Care Bears. With or without the witch bears, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good deal. Well, that's all the time we have today for our podcast, uh, Act Right. Uh, this is Craig Gehring with Oliver Pope and Lisa Redmond. Uh, it's been great talking with you about test anxiety. Today, just to recap, we we discussed what our – Lisa's nodding at me because last time she's like, we need to do a recap, and uh, I did not do a recap. So uh, we talked about some of the causes of test anxiety. We talked about how uh, getting yourself pumped up and, and ready to go can kind of fight against that, uh, that anxiety edge. And we also talked about how uh, the uh, – we talked about how – preparing the right way and actually, you know, practicing exactly like it's going to be in the ACT can help. 
Lisa is just like laughing hysterically right now because as I was doing my recap, I slapped my microphone just like oh, Oliver did my turn next. in the previous. Lisa's <laughs> going to do it in next. the next podcast for sure. Microphones are tricky. Yeah, microphones are really hard. They're not on the ACT. Um, we, we talk with our hands around here. That's We're just right. flailing. It's and like, it should really be a video podcast. Um, so we talked about how if you practice the way things are going to go on the actual ACT, that same environment, you can prepare yourself and kind of get rid of that anxiety. So uh, again, please join us for our next podcast, which will be coming out in a couple weeks. We'll be diving into the new SAT. Uh, Oliver, uh, Oliver Post has been diving into uh, the redesign of the SAT and how it works. And so we'll get to discuss that. And uh, in an upcoming podcast, we're also going to be talking to Chris Gilliland, who's our uh, manager out in North Carolina. And he's going to share with us what North Carolina schools are doing to get their students ready for the ACT. So until then, thank you very much.